Welcome to a Faith Dialogue with Bishop Robert J. Brennan for the first week of October and on the Church's calendar, the 27th week of Ordinary Time. Bishop Brennan, Your Excellency, I'm sure that it's been a bit of a whirlwind the last few days since the announcement on September 29th that you're assigned the Bishop of Brooklyn. That it has been, and it's still settling in. Um, Being there, I guess, made it seem kind of real. Coming back home... Um, to be here in Columbus um, brings back the bitter part of the bittersweet news, but it um, it reminds me of I'm, I'm just looking around at all that I'll be losing. But you know, we we're sent. This is this is an hour choosing. The Lord sends us, and we always find joy in where the Lord sends us. And Bishop Brennan, I've heard from a few of our listeners that uh, they are picturing the church's administrative functioning similar to what maybe a business might have, that you applied for this and therefore you're going closer to home. I, I think that's probably no further from the truth than what really did happen. Tell us what did happen and how that works. Sure. Well, essentially, um, to, from my perspective, what happened was... Um, Two weeks ago, Monday, yeah, the, um, the I got a call, and um, I got a call from the Pope's ambassador to the United States saying that the Holy Father has appointed me to uh, the Diocese of Brooklyn. And, you know, I was shocked, and not necessarily in a good way, because I was shocked um, and focusing on my loss, and that loss is everything here. And and then, then there was a practical side, and I raised some of those things with the, the Holy Father. And I know he's had this conversation before because he kept saying, I know, I know. <laughs> but, um, but no, usually when a bishop is appointed, he's literally the last person to know about it. It's not something you apply for. It's not something that you aspire to, but it's something you sent and, um, and you lead in love. So uh, when I got the call to come here a couple of years ago, um, that was a a little bit of a surprise. Um, I I guess you kind of get a sense your name's being talked about, but, but that was a little bit of a surprise this time. This was totally out of the blue. Out of the blue, I thought I was here for the long haul, and I really wanted to be here for the long haul. Um, and, uh, and and but um, there, the Holy Father through the Nuncio's office, the Nuncio uh, coordinates it. Did an extensive collaboration. You know, Bishop Damasio turned seventy-five two years ago. And it took them two years to get somebody because it's a very complicated place. And he had been there a long time. He had been there 17 years. And so, you know, he, he wrote a report about the state of the diocese and what the needs are. Um, the um, uh, people of the diocese, he had to submit some names of people to uh, consult. He, the Nuncio may have had his own suggestions and other people within the church might have other suggestions. So you know, word went out asking people, again, what are the needs and some ideas? Not so much to, you know, names come up, but it's really just to get a good sense of what the needs are, the priorities. 
the the other local bishops are consulted, and um, <clears throat> and all of that comes together, and eventually, the nuncio assembles it, and out of that, gives a list of three. It's called a turna that goes to Rome to uh, to the congregation for bishops. They do their part with it. They look at all of those consultations, and then eventually the um, secretary, the director, if you will, of that office, Cardinal Ouellette, meets with the Pope and uh, says, here's the Turner. This is our recommendation. And um, sometimes the Pope just says, okay, first name on the list. Sometimes he says, well, no, I'd like this. And sometimes he says, no, I'd like you to send me more names. That, that all happens. So uh, that was all going on without me even knowing about it. Um, and I don't know where my consideration came up in that in that conversation, but it's not a it yeah you're you're not sent away. It's really a pastoral need, and um, and forgive me for uh, going on about this, but the I can, I understand it as a bishop and as a pastor. The, to me, this appointment is it really reflects the need that the church has. And uh, maybe especially in these times. So, um, whereas you might have had a little more flexibility and the ability to let people mature a little um, by way of the work before drawing people if they had to be taken for other responsibilities, the fact of the matter is Brooklyn is a place in, with tremendous need. Um, Bishop Damasio did a very good job um, um, with the structures, and so there's no, there's no crisis there. But it's a very complicated, uh, very complex diocese. With uh, masses offered in thirty three different languages every week, mm. Mm. you know. So you, you have a very complicated makeup of people, um, and I only speak two of those languages. <laughs> <laughs> English is one of them. <laughs> um, so it's not because I have the skill for that, but it's the idea of this. It's a very complicated diocese. It's quite honestly in an environment that's very different from the church here in Ohio. So in some ways, there's similarity of um, of, of faithfulness and of people. Um, of the world is not the friendliest. We were talking about Christendom to apostolic mission. Is it's we have the realm of apostolic mission here in Ohio, but at least we we live in a state that um, gives witness to the dignity of life. There are a lot of good things here in Ohio that are beyond the Catholic Church. That there's an uh, there's a culture of life here that's much much greater than you would see in other parts of the country. Well, if we're on the much greater end of the spectrum, I can tell you New York is on the far, far much worse end of the spectrum. Um, I, I, I told people my first year when I first came, just before I left, the, um, the then governor of New York and some of the legislators lit up the Empire State Building in celebration of expanded abortion mentality uh, what they call rights it, it 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 was you know in the old days people would see if even described even though it was a little duplicitous it was um it was kind of 
it's a tra- abortion is a tragedy, but then they make their arguments. That facade is gone. Now it's just bold, brazen disregard for human life. So, so yeah, it's a, it, th- those are the needs. And, you know, as I started to say, as a pastor, as a bishop, I have the responsibility sometimes to make parish coverages. And it breaks my heart. Sometimes I've got to move. First of all, I'm naming guys pastors after they only had about two or three years as an associate pastor. I had five years and then... I, I became secretary, but the expectation was you would have had another five years. Um, and, and, and so um, you have a chance. When I say mature, I don't mean um, even physical or emotional. I just mean just to grow into the role. You had time to grow into the role. You had time to enjoy being a priest and not having the administration. Well, I'm calling on guys very soon after they're ordained. And then not only am I calling on them very soon after they're ordained, um, but then sometimes I'm putting a guy into a, a small place for a couple of years and then moving him because there's a need in a greater place. So you have to take his experience and then put it somewhere else, not because the other place is better, but because there are different needs and I need somebody who already who, who's not learning how to be a pastor. Well, that's what, that's what happened here. They said, okay, you know, Brennan, it would have been better if you had uh, a few more years of experience, but uh, we're going to take you with what you got <laughs> mm. <laughs> because the need is great. Not because, uh, not because I, what I have is great, but because the need is great. And so I understand it. I don't like it, but I understand it. You, know, you, you mentioned two things that brought two thoughts to my mind. First, that uh, your work here in Columbus has naturally flowed from you know, your love of Christ and your love of the priesthood and your connection with priest, and also the call to all of us as laymen and women, followers of Christ through the Catholic faith, to be better missionaries. And both of those things are going to be needed, aren't they? Strong priesthood and a laity that's not sitting on their hands. Exactly. Exactly. And if I think if I've come to understand something that you know, my experience here has taught me, that it's all out there. You know, there's there's a winning team out there. Uh, people get it, and the priest. We have such wonderful presbyterate, well, wonderful, wonderful presbyterate. The priests get it. We have a flourishing of religious life. We have a very active, very generous diaconate. And then, by and large, we've just had this fantastic laity, uh, uh, men and women who are committed to the gospel, who who love. Uh, Jesus, who uh, want to bring him to others, um, it's it's amazing stuff, and um, and and I think if I did anything, I often used to talk about everything I inherited, um, but now I realize maybe my job was to just put a little bit of oxygen on the fire, mm. and so hopefully we can realize that as a church that that God is doing something amazing here and God will continue to do something amazing here and each of us is called to play a part you know so many people bishop brennan after hearing the news that uh, you'll be appointed as the new bishop of brooklyn that uh, they'll miss you and they're sad and a lot of the times when i ask them to you know say why do you feel sad they'll express that you cared about them 
and that you um, reminded them of how they are a son or daughter of God. They don't say it in those words, but you reminded them of that. How important is that to have each one of us uh, be careful and conscious of uh, those smiles and those ears that are uh, listening twice as much as we're speaking? You flatter me. Um, that touched me very deeply. I, I didn't expect that. Thank you. Um, yeah, that is what I believe. That certainly is what I believe. And um, I, it, I would just, my answer is kind of to repeat the question. My answer is that's very, very important. And I think if we can try to keep that at the heart, two things. One, if I did that for you in this church, if I reminded you of that great dignity of being a son or a daughter of God, um, then please keep that in mind. Please remember that. Always remember that. And let it inspire you. Not me. Let that fact that you are a beloved son or daughter of God. Let that inspire you. But then, yeah, it is important that as we listen, as we engage, as we challenge, that we do so with that same respect and dignity, that we can see that in one another. And if, if we, we can find ways to awaken that in one another. And that's that's going to be the heart of what we do in terms of our church strategic planning, but that's got to be that's got to be at the heart of family life too. Isn't that what we're about in a family to help each other see that we're beloved children of God. Bishop Brennan uh, shortly after the announcement last week, uh, you said that you're your prayer for the diocese going forward is that we are confident in Jesus' promise that he's always with us, but to do so unified and with profound humility. You know, last week we celebrated St. Therese of the Child Jesus, who spoke about that humility being the centerpiece for, um, for our lives. Can you speak a little bit more about what you mean by profound humility going forward, and not just going forward, but today? That's interesting that you would ask that because my prayer on that morning um, uh, of the Feast of St. Therese was about that becoming small, that that humility of, of hers. Now, first of all, her, part of her humility, in her humility, she also recognized um, that, that she, she, in her own words, that she could be pretty petty about things. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> she would, you know, she 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 said she would get annoyed over little things and she she gave it but that she so she was conscious of her own shortcomings so humility is conscious of it but not in a way that we beat ourselves up but it's just recognizing where the Lord's mercy and grace is working within us. But, you know, it's becoming small. It's letting ourselves go. And what came to me that day was that Jesus asks us to become small, to let go. But Jesus never asks something of us that he himself 
wouldn't do or maybe better put, didn't already do. And I always go back to that hymn in Philippians. Though he was in the form of God, Jesus did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at, but rather he emptied himself. He emptied himself taking on human form. He emptied himself coming in the form of a slave. He emptied himself even unto death, death on a cross. So so that self-emptying love, that profound humility... It's what Jesus asks of us, but it's only because it's the path he himself took. And um, quite honestly, um, one of the things that happened on that day, on St. Therese Day, is as I started to think things through, I, I'm finding in all of this, for myself, a certain spiritual call for, for humility, and you might think that's kind of odd, but um, but the, but the fact of the matter is, I'm being asked to let go of something, and I'm not well. I'm being asked to let go of, of a work of a of a of a project that I was really very excited about, and that I saw myself seeing through to completion. And, you know, with real presence, real future. And my first reaction to um, Archbishop Pierre was, now Now that I think about it, I didn't realize at the time, I thought it was, you know, my zeal. It may have been a little bit of pride. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning a little bit of humility in this. Um, uh, an image that I, one of my favorite images, I'm going to talk about this when we gather priest, but one of my favorite images of Pope St. John Paul II is in the Jubilee year, he went to the Holy Land and he stood out on Mount Nebo and looked out over the land. The significance of Mount Nebo is that that was where Moses was allowed to look out on the promised land. And the Lord told Moses, you're not going to cross into the promised land. But I, as a special gift to you, I'm going to let you see it. And so much of Pope St. John Paul's pontificate was tied up with the new millennium. And he, was, he really caught, saw that as an opportunity for the new evangelization, which has taken root among us. And we still see its fruits, and we still know how to plant those seeds. But as we crossed, in, crossed into the new millennium, he's, there he is, 2,000, five years before he would die. And he's, he had to be thinking, I'm, I'm putting thoughts into his head, but that the Lord gave him a special mission to play a part. But somebody else is going to take us into the new millennium. I mean, he was there for the Y2K. I remember that those days. <laughs> but I love that, but, that imagery. Yeah. But, but he, now he's going to hand it off. Somebody else is going to lead us through. And so now we've already had you know, Pope Benedict and now Pope Francis. Um, but not only the two popes, but new generations of people. Um, and 
And so they, you know, you, we realize that we play a part, but only a part. And it's a great privilege and a great honor that we play a part. But then we, we like I said, it's not my work, it's God's work. And so while my concern is genuine and I hope and pray and I want to see this go through and I think it, we're going in the right direction and I believe in the people of this diocese and I believe in the priests working together. But at the same time, um, I, I know it's not about me. It's not about my project. We're playing a part in God's work. And so that, that though, you, you know, you, you hit on something when you talk about humility. It's sometimes you're right. It comes out easily enough for me. I know what I mean. I, I think of that Philippians hymn. But that's how it hit me personally in these last few days. Bishop Brennan, we are so blessed to have you as our bishop. I am so blessed that you've been sharing the Word of God through radio for many, many months from day one. Uh, but could you close us with a prayer and blessing, and to all of our listeners, continue to pray for Bishop Brennan, for the new work that is ahead of him, for all of our leaders in the Diocese of Columbus, but more importantly, to see ourselves, as Bishop Brennan has reminded us, as that leader. We can all, and we need to all, uh, be unified and our vision for Christ ahead of us and that we're involved in this and it's not going to be a top-down. It's going to be everybody working together. I hope that's not putting words in your mouth. I'm trying to summarize what you've, you've been it. saying again and you've again and again. It. Well, it's going to be... It, it's You're correct. You, you, you said it exactly right. Not going to be top-down and it is going to be everybody. But in the end, it's, I, it's going to be the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. We have beautiful trust in the power of the Holy Spirit and that all of us working together somehow or another. It's not, it's not in the, you know, the, the, the votes or the combined effort, but somehow or another, the Holy Spirit will speak to us. And that's, I, that's going to be the, the great thing. Um, yes, I will close. Let's, uh, what, why don't we do this? Last week we celebrated some great feast days, including St. Gabriel, and the Archangels, um, St. Therese, we spoke about St. Therese before the Guardian Angels. The, today we celebrate um, St. Francis, and we'll be celebrating Our Lady of the Rosary. October is the month of the Rosary. Why don't we entrust all of our efforts to the Lord? Let's ask Mary and all the saints to pray for us. Think about this. I often put it this way. The Hail Mary is really asking Mary and the saints to pray with and for us. Pray for us, the Holy Mother of God, right? So it's, real, it's, very, it's a very long reading, a very fancy, please pray for us, please pray with us. So why don't we do that and trust all of our, um, our hopes and dreams and, and the re- privilege of following Christ to um, the intercession of the Blessed Mother and all the saints as we pray. Hail Mary. Full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Amen, and thank you for joining us for a Faith Dialogue with Bishop Robert J. Brennan for the first week of October or the 27th week of Ordinary Time.